Welcome to the Twinkle Trainee Teacher and ECT podcast. My name's Simeon, I was a teacher for eight years and the absolute highlight of my career was getting to work with trainee teachers and help them begin their career on the right foot. And hello, my name is Ashley. I am a former primary school teacher who used to work predominantly in Key Stage 2. And I also work for the trainee teachers and ECT team here at Twinkle. And we just want to help you go into that classroom feeling confident in every aspect of teaching. Today's show is all about cross-curricular learning. We'll be giving a definition, some benefits for your students, some ways you can try out cross-curricular learning in your classroom. And we also have a brilliant interview coming up later from a secondary trainee teacher. But just before we jump into everything, as always, we want to give you our social media accounts. In case you want to get in contact with us, you might want to talk to us about this episode or one of our previous episodes, or you might even want to give us some suggestions for future episodes. And you can do that really, really easily. So we're on Facebook at Twinkle Training Teachers and Twinkle ECTs and NQTs. We also have two community Facebook groups where you can post comments and talk to like-minded trainees or ECTs. And they are Twinkle Training Teachers Group and the Twinkle ECT slash NQT support group. We're on Instagram at Twinkle Training Teachers. We're on TikTok at Twinkle Training Teachers. And we're also on Twitter at Training Twinkle. And this podcast will go out onto your favorite streaming platform such as Spotify and Apple Music. Thank you, Ashley. The school year is in full swing and we both thought this episode would be good to do because we both tried cross-curricular approaches in our careers and we saw the benefits of them. So it's something we feel quite passionately about and something we'd like to talk about. Shall we start by giving a definition, Ashley? I don't know if you want to go first or I'll go first because we both did our separate research on this. Yeah, I don't mind going first with a definition. So for me, cross-curricular is a way of developing knowledge and understanding through connected topics. And that phrase connected topics is the key theme. Um, I don't know if you've got a different definition, maybe, because I think it can be defined in different ways, can't it? Oh, I like that. Well, I think I think mine's the same but worded differently, although mine also noted that you can call this interdisciplinary learning. Um, so my definition I found says it's a style of teaching that allows pupils to unite different subjects across a common theme. Yeah, so it's basically just in your lessons, trying to find different themes or different styles of lessons and connecting them and bringing them together. So if you are in history, you might be using some skills that you would traditionally use in literacy lessons or maybe some maths lessons or maybe some geography lessons. But instead of just isolating it as that one history lesson, and that's the only thing you're going to be doing, you're actually bringing in different skills and it's just allowing the children to use them and, and to, to get the benefits of using all of them together. And if it's all sounding a bit confusing, don't worry. This is a very common approach. You will have probably been taught this way growing up. Teachers in primary schools especially use this approach, although we will hear from a secondary teacher later who has some ideas on this. And I would say it's often used very well in early years classrooms. Definitely. Continuous provision. If you haven't managed to go and observe the EYFS, um, whether that is a reception class or nursery in the, in the setting that you're in at the moment, 
I would definitely recommend that you do as it's amazing to see how they do that, especially I know that the nursery class that I was in, we did it on a weekly basis and everything was themed around the one topic, but everything was related. So there was a maths tough tray, there was an illiteracy tray, and they were all linked to that one theme, but you could see how the children were using different skills and it is amazing to see. So just to give another example, I was working in year three, four, so I would have half-termly topics. So it might be the Romans, it might be explorers, something like that, that I could link everything to. But I have seen it used really well right up to year six. I knew a year six teacher who did the exact same thing. And they always got amazing results. And interestingly for me, this is anecdotal, but they seem to spend a lot less time prepping for SATs than other teachers and a lot more time focusing on kind of arts and drama and cross-curricular links, which I I thought was very brave, Um, but it always paid off for them. Yeah, it's amazing. I just think that, I mean, I'm I'm a personal advocate of cross-curricular teaching. I loved doing it. And Again, like Simeon said, a lot of it does just come naturally. So you might be doing it without realising. But I just really liked to see that you, you got those light bulb moments a lot. For example, if you were in a literacy lesson and you were using some of your terminology that you have taught in your history lesson, you can see those light bulb moments go off where the children want to use that vocabulary. They understand it. It's got a meaning behind it and they want to put into their work now and their writing. And I think it's just fantastic to see. And it's a really nice positive moment for a teacher. You've touched on two key benefits there, Ashley. So uh, the first one I found in my research is making connections. By teaching this way, you're providing students with information and then allowing them to refresh it later and showing them that actually this can be applicable to other areas of the curriculum, which encourages them to make connections and look out for patterns and other opportunities to use that knowledge, Mm. which is much better than just learning something and forgetting about it for a week until you recap it. And the second thing is motivation. Uh, because you're giving them some relevancy. So, for example, if you were going to teach children in geography the parts of a volcano, that's okay. But if you say to them, well, I need you to learn this because we're going to be building our own volcanoes in design technology, suddenly that's much more exciting and it's got some relevancy. They understand why they need this knowledge. Yeah, and like Samir's just touched on, some lessons will need to be in isolation. So for example, if you have a 20 minute grammar lesson every day, for example, some of those lessons are going to be in isolation and they just need to know that skill. But if it has got, and what Simeon said was relevant, that's a very key word for cross-curricular teaching. If it's relevant and it's purposeful, if you can make those links, the children will enjoy it more, you will enjoy it more, and that they'll be practicing those skills more and more often so they're going to get better at that they're going to progress but don't just try and make links for the sake of it it has to be relevant it has to make sense for them otherwise the children won't have any motivation for it yeah absolutely ashley and i think i'll I'll just list one more benefit i found uh for children this can often remove the feeling of being negative about a specific subject so saying well i'm no good at maths Well, if the mass is being spread out across different things, saying you're doing a bit of measuring in your design technology or your art lesson, or you're doing some data collection in your science, 
and then making a bar graph, it kind of softens the lines between the subjects and it makes that negativity a little easier to, to work around into a positive. Definitely. So should we do some examples? Because I can, I can imagine yeah, yeah. listening to this podcast, hearing all the benefits, and we're saying it's quite natural and quite normal and, and easy to do. We should do some some examples. So, so the first one for me is that was a really easy one, a really nice one to start with, and that linked quite well was geography and history. So, for example, I was doing the ancient Greeks. So, in history, we would be talking about the ancient Greeks and all that sort of thing, and what their civilization was like, and, and all that. And it's so easy to bring in geography because you, you can talk about Greece as a country and what the climate is like, what the maps look like. All of these different things can be easily put together. Um, and I know that in my school it was just called topic, but it was a mix of geography and history and you knew that you didn't really teach them in isolation. But it was a really nice way as well to bring in some RE. So I started looking at the Greek gods in topic lessons. So suddenly we were doing history, we were doing RE, we were doing a bit of geography, all in one thing. The only thing that I wanted to make sure was to tell the children, oh, this, this is part of geography. We're learning a little bit of geography here, or we're doing a little bit of history here, just because sometimes the children can just think they're doing topic and that's it. And they can't really understand in their head, oh, this is geography or this is history. Because as much as what Simeon was saying is about how it blurs the lines if the child has got a negative association. It also slightly blurs them if they've got a positive association. So letting them know that, oh, this is geography, it might just click something in their head. Oh, I love geography. I really like doing maps and doing things like that. That's amazing. So as much as cross-curricular is fantastic, and I do love it, you might want just allow them to know that they're doing different subjects at the same time. Yeah, I like that. And it could broaden the idea of what a subject is. Oh, this is geography. Well, actually, I don't mind yeah. this. This is quite good. Um, so I'll, I'll talk a bit about um, literacy or English. And that, that was one of my favourite things. I would always plan a topic around a book or two books. So if I go back to my Romans topic, we used Escape from Pompeii, which is a lovely story with great illustrations. And from that, we were able to write a newspaper report about what happened in Pompeii. So that was our English work. But to do that, we had to know the facts. We had to know the history of what happened there. And we had to look at sources like Pliny. We then wrote a diary entry as Pliny. We also um, retold a traditional story. So retold the Romulus and Remus story uh, in our own way. And I ended up doing a lot of similar things with different topics. So most topics I would find I was doing a diary entry and a newspaper report. And that gave me scope to see improvement throughout the year because I could look at my Romans report we did at the start of the year and then maybe my explorers report we did at the end of the year and I could see very clear improvement. And as long as I was making sure all the different text types were being covered that I needed to cover, that worked really well for me. Yeah, definitely. And another subject that I think goes lovely with literacy, especially using a class text as the base, is drama, is performing arts. I think that goes so, so well. If you can be getting some of your drama skills, whether that's hot seating. I used to do stills, so I would get the children up and they would be acting it out and then we would freeze and it would be like, oh, can you explain what are you doing? How is your character feeling? what's going on here and it was just a brilliant way of them understanding the class text more 
It was giving them real sort of insight into the character's thoughts and feelings and that they were then able to get that down into their writing much more freely than if they were just reading. So I would think if you were wanting a good place to start as well, drama and literacy are fantastic ways to start. Completely agree. Drama is so, so powerful, especially when added in with this cross-curricular approach. Mm-hmm. I'll just touch on maths as well, because that's that's often mm-hmm. the one people find hard to work in. And I have a few cheats for that. So this comes from actually that year six teacher I worked with who was brilliant at this. So at our school, we would do a maths investigation every week. They were very big on maths investigations. And uh, this teacher would always write a little paragraph or something just to link the investigation to the topic. So, you know, Emperor Claudius needs you to find out, da, 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 or Romeo and Juliet are trapped and they need you to work out this code to escape, that that kind of thing. And the children know you're sort of making a tenuous link. They're old enough to know that, but it's almost with a wink and a nod and they enjoyed it and appreciated the effort and it just keeps them immersed in the topic and gives them that extra little bit of motivation. So I think if it's something like that, or even uh, putting a Roman soldier with a speech bubble on your column edition sheet, just with a little something, you know, did you know the Romans didn't use this number system, keeps the topic alive. Yeah, definitely. And if you're struggling to think, you know, you've got younger ones, you're teaching lower down the school, they might not be able to read those. Pictures work just as well. So if you're doing counting or halving or whatever it is, just having pictures, little clip arts that relate to the topic just reinforces what you're doing with the children. And and they do love it. They do. So for me, the one that I always struggled with was to constantly bring in IT and the IT skills into lessons because sometimes, you know, you might not have access to the equipment all the time or it might be in like a computer room that is separate. So I I always sort of struggled with that. But I remember once when I was teaching my year fours, we were very lucky to, uh, we had a very kind head teacher who allowed us to do um, Russia as our topic as it was the Russian World Cup. So we'd been doing lots and lots of sort of things about Russia and history and the geography and how Russia was and we were looking at the history of the World Cup um, and we were looking at the famous England win um, and I got my class to watch the highlights to make notes um, and then what they did is in little groups they wrote a script they recorded themselves doing sports broadcast talking about the game talking about the goals key highlights different things like that they had little microphones They absolutely adored it. They were using video editing skills because they were getting little pictures to come on the screen, bits of words, sound effects, all of that. And they absolutely adored it. But they were using their drama skills. They were using their literacy skills. Note taking is such an important skill that children struggle with, I've found, doing that. It was just amazing to see. And the children loved it. And they all recorded it on iPads. It was a lovely lesson. And it just incorporated so many different subjects alongside IT. I think, yeah, I was pretty proud of that one, actually. That sounds amazing, Ashley. I wish I could have been there. Right. So it's time for our interview. Just before we go to Emily, our secondary trainee... I'd love it if when we post this episode, if you're listening and you have an idea about cross-curricular teaching, maybe it's something you've tried out this year, um, drop it underneath the post in the comments for us. Let us know on social media and maybe we can get a list of good ideas together for other trainees. That could really help some people. Yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic. Okay, let's go to our interview. 
Okay, so we have our interview with Emily here. Could we start by you just telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So hi, I'm Emily. Um, I am on the Teach First secondary school uh, training programme. Um, I'm a science teacher um, currently in Bedfordshire. Um, I haven't always been in teaching. So I, I went to university between 2017 and 2020. Uh, then I worked for two years in mental health. Um, and then I decided that actually I wanted a little bit of a change. Um, I did a bit of private tutoring, so kind of keeping up with my subject knowledge. And then I decided actually I want to make the jump into teaching. So that's where I am now. That's amazing. So how are you actually finding this year so far? Because obviously we've just finished the first term, just about to start the second or you've just started. How are you finding everything? Honestly, I'm actually <laughs> finding it better than I thought I would at this point. Um, I Before I went in, I had you always kind of think of like the worst case scenario. So I sort of, I sometimes imagined myself, you know, looking out at a room of screaming students, shouting students, nothing getting done. And, and sort of, I really worried about not being able to control that and manage that. I think that's my like first, that was my first worries like behavior management. Um, but actually in reality, I found that it's, it's not like that. And actually, it, it's going it's going much much better um, than I thought I would. So oh, I'm really fantastic. enjoying it. I feel like I'm learning loads. Um, sometimes too much, but no, it's it's fantastic. I'm really really enjoying it. <laughs> That's really nice to hear. Can I ask what do you think the biggest challenge has been so far? I think for me, um, it's definitely kind of overthinking. Um, in between lessons, in between the weeks at the weekend. Um, I mean, I know it's amazing to use reflective practices and I know it's brilliant to sort of look back on certain critical incidences and, and certain lessons and perhaps thinking about the different strategies that you use to teach particular things. But I sometimes find myself going into a bit of a downward spiral of I should have done that. I could have done that. This would have been better if, and really kind of beating myself self up over it. Um, so I think the biggest challenge for me has been to sometimes take a step back, leave it at school and come back to it, you know, in the next lesson plan, for example, when I might, you know, try and reteach that or maybe embed that expectation or that routine a little stronger. Um so that's been probably the biggest challenge yet, overthinking and kind of overanalyzing it to the point where I really just, instead of it being productive, I really just end up beating myself up over what happened. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to do, isn't it, to not let yourself get into that spiral. Um, and I think the one thing that I used to try and do was to really concentrate on the positives when I was having those days. Like if if that lesson was 60 minutes long, yes, the you know, 10 minutes of it might have gone really wrong, but what were the positives and what were the things that went well? Um, so I think it's it's being reflective is, is something, like you said, that we always sort of suggest people do. Um, but yeah, you do need to sort of take that step back and sort of close that chapter sometimes. So talking about positives, what is something that you've like really, really enjoyed this year or, or maybe a part of teaching that surprised yourself because it was, you know, you've enjoyed it so much? I think the thing that I enjoy most 
and I, I guess, you know, if you ask this question, I guess a lot of teachers would probably, well, I think would say the same, is definitely working with the students. Um, and I think in particular, the sort of the, the relationship building. So it's something that I've put a lot of kind of time and effort and focus into doing. Um, but, you know, starting from just welcoming students at the door. How are you? How's your day been? How's your lunch? Welcome back. Um, and then all the way throughout the classroom um, environment, just getting to know them beyond what's, you know, getting getting to know them beyond just you standing at the front and delivering a lesson. Um, you know, when you do like dinner duties, having a chat with them there. Um, and, and one thing that's been amazing is I was able to go on a year nine school trip. Um, so in November, I found myself in North Wales, hiking up mountains, climbing up <laughs> gorges, uh, building rafts. And I think that was really nice as well, because the students got to see me in an environment that wasn't the classroom as well. So they got to know me a little bit more. Um, it was just an absolutely amazing opportun- uh, opportunity. And, and I hope I get to go again next year. I'd like to go go again. So I think that's probably been the highlight, relationship building, getting to know the students beyond just that sort of classroom um environment and um yeah the year nine school trip was great can i just yeah that does sound really good can i just quickly ask coming from someone who was a primary school teacher obviously i had a class of 30 32 children i could obviously build relationships know those saw those children all day every day how is it as a secondary school teacher to do that because obviously you're going to have a lot of different classes is it do you find it harder you, you know how, how does that work? I just, I, I'm just very interested myself. Sure. Um, I think it's something that I was wondering about as well. I was thinking about that. How, how quickly do you start to build relationships if you, if you do perhaps see a class once a week? Um, I'm actually really lucky because I see my classes at least three times a week. So my year sevens, I see three times my year nines, I see three times and my year tens, I see five times a week. Um, and I think that's one of the benefits of, of the school, the science department that I'm in. We we don't specialise. We teach all three sciences. So rather than one class having three different science teachers for each specialism, physics, biology, chemistry, they will have one teacher who teaches them all three. So I get to see them loads. Um, and... Yeah, it, I think I think that really really helps because you learn names faster, which is a big one. Obviously, learning names is one of the first key things about building relationships, um, and you also get to know more about like their hobbies because they might pop out one one early afternoon because they've got like a netball match, and then you follow it up with them the, the next day, or you find out that they support a local football team. Did you watch the match at the weekend? What did you think? And because you do see them regularly. Um, it's a little bit easier but yeah I do feel feel for some of the other trainees because I know that they teach just their specialisms and while that's fantastic because then you're super confident with your subject knowledge you only see your class like once a week so I can imagine that's a little bit harder. Now I was going to ask what keeps you motivated as you're doing your course? So the training course itself um it's interesting because I sort of view that completely separate to what I'm doing day to day. So I don't know if you've ever spoken to like the other Teach First trainees, but we we are pretty much full time teachers. Um, so we're on an eighty percent timetable. The other twenty percent is for planning time, mentor meetings, um, development reviews. Um, 
But within that 20%, you also have to fit in all your essays and your reflections. Um, So I think one of the things that keeps me motivated is just the knowledge that there's a deadline coming up. I don't know. uh, This is probably not very healthy. It's probably not very productive. But there's a deadline coming up, so it has to be done. Um, But also just within that, managing my own sort of self-care and what keeps me happy so I always try and find time for uh, running that's something that I'm really into Um, and gym as well so making sure I get down to the gym so although there might be a deadline coming up or oh I've got to plan that year seven lesson for first thing tomorrow morning just making sure that I embed the things that I enjoy into my day because otherwise I think you can just get really bogged down with everything that you've got to do Um, so yeah just trying to take care of myself as well as the essays on the side yeah, it's really, really important to do. We say that to all of the trainees in ECTs that you have to prioritise yourself. You really, really do. Absolutely, yeah. So I just want, like, as teachers, um, we obviously have aspirations and things that we're looking forward to maybe in your training year or beyond. Um, and I was just wondering, you know, with with your career and, and what you would like to do, what are you sort of looking forward to? What goals do you have do you have any aspirations and things like that yeah absolutely I mean I definitely want to stay in teaching at the moment I'm really really loving it and I think one of the things that I've noticed is that actually you can progress quite quickly um so I mean not only just in the lessons that you're in you can try a different strategy or try a different routine and all of a sudden you notice that the class has progressed within that so quickly um you can also progress yourself. So with the amount of learning and training opportunities available to me at the time, you know, well, at this time, I feel like I would like to go down because I, the way I sort of see it, I don't know how others do. It's probably different, but you kind of got this like pastoral pathway and then you've also got the sort of like academic and sort of curricular pathway. Um, I absolutely love teaching science and I really love improving my subject knowledge. So I think at the moment, I'd love to sort of go down the maybe assistant in department, maybe eventually in the, in the long term, head of department in science. Um, just, yeah, as I said, I really enjoy the subject knowledge. I really enjoy engaging with the curriculum and kind of finding new ways of linking the sciences up um, and and of course, engaging students in practicals and kind of increasing their their engagement in those. So I think probably down maybe the sort of more academic or sort of curricular leadership. Fantastic. Uh, now, Ashley and I actually said earlier in this episode that cross-curricular teaching might be something for mostly primary school teachers. Do you feel like there are opportunities, though, in high school to use cross-curricular teaching? Absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I I mean, funnily enough, an hour ago-ish, I was teaching graph drawing skills to year seven. So mm-hmm. graph drawing skills tend to be something that's attributed to maths. And I know that they do quite a lot of practice of that in maths specifically. Um, but it's also a, a massive skill that they need to learn in science as well. So, you know, I stripped that right back to basics. So I'd some of them had done it before I think about 70% of them had done it before in maths um but we stripped it right back and we built up from the beginning again um to to kind of produce graphs that were based upon a practical that we did last week so that was really nice because then you're sort of reinforcing the routines and the habits of graph drawing that they've built in maths already but then bringing across to science um 
so that's that's one example. And I know they do graph drawing in geography as well. So I guess there's a little bit of a link there with the humanities department. Um, and then the other big one that, that pops into my mind is um, literacy in science only because it's something that's sort of been flagged to us recently and we've been we've been really looking at. But um, in science, um, particularly the way that science exams are assessed um, at GCSE level, spelling and grammar um, aren't massively assessed. So it's sort of as if, as long as the examiner can sort of read that word and it's phonetically spelt correctly the student will gain the mark now there's a couple of words where that's not the case I mean quadrat is one of them they have to spell that exactly as it should be Um, ouch (laughs) there's other words that you can um spell phonetically and, and the examiner will still give you the mark so you know we we sort of mark that and I mark as if an examiner would so spelt phonetically yes that's the mark and then I'd move on and mark the next question. But actually, something that has really been highlighted to us um, in the last week is actually we should be picking up on on that to improve their literacy, because not only will it improve their sort of um, writing in science, but it will also improve in other subjects as well. It's sort of like um, joined up approach, I guess, um, supporting students with their with their literacy and grammar. So although it's not so important in science, it is important for the students' overall kind of um, academic outcomes, I guess, in other subjects as well. So that's just another little focus of ours at the moment. That's really good to hear, actually. I'm glad they, they're taking that approach. I, I completely agree with that. And that's something we always tried to do at my primary school, kind of look at links across subjects and take spelling as this isn't just something that's important in one subject, it's important everywhere. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I guess in in our department, as I said before, we don't teach our specialisms only. We sort of teach within the biology, chemistry and physics. But within those three, there's also so many cross sort of subject bridges. And I guess when you start enforcing or reinforcing, sorry, those bridges between the subjects, it strengthens and deepens a student's understanding of a particular topic if you can start linking them and um and I guess it kind of builds into that retrieval practice as well oh I've seen that in maths oh yeah we labeled our axes the same way and it's kind of bringing those skills back to the the working memory and then back into this long-term memory reinforcing that cycle amazing um that's fantastic so you're clearly very positive about teaching and and everything that sort of encompasses that. Um, and we've got quite a few trainees listening and ECTs as well. Um, and I was just wondering if there's anything that you would like to sort of say to them or, you know, just a bit of advice or, or anything sort of for them. Um, I think, I mean, this is, I feel like it's such an intense experience. Like there is so much beyond just standing at the front of the classroom and delivering a lesson um and it's challenging it can be overwhelming at times you can question your decision going into this um but one thing that is that massively helped me during the sort of less positive times but also the really positive times is just reaching out to people in the same position as you so I'm lucky enough to have another trainee in the English department at the school I'm in um and 
we've got really, really close very, very quickly because we're in the exact same environment. We are experiencing the same challenging behavior or lack of planning time, whatever it may be. And we can really relate to one another. So I think one thing that, you know, we should all do as trainees is just reach out to others and just talk about it. Whether you want to have a rant or a rave and discuss something that happened in last lesson that wasn't so good, or if you want to share a fantastic piece of, you know, good news that you've had or good um, practice that, you know, has been observed from you, I think we should all just connect with one another and just relate to one another and support each other through that because you don't want to be on your own because it's, it's not nice. So, yeah, I think just reach out to one another, relate to one another, rant, rave, talk positive. But, um, yeah, just kind of connect, I guess. A hundred percent agree. I completely agree with that. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on, Emily. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. And please do keep us updated on how you get on this year with your course. Absolutely. Well, thank you very, very much for having me. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Emily. I thought she was a fantastic guest. And I was really interested to hear about cross-curricular teaching in secondary school. Yeah, I was amazed. I, I thought it was something that sort of just happened in primary school and that you'd really struggle in secondary, but she seems to have been nailing it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just a reminder, if you'd like to let us know what cross-curricular ideas you have, please do comment on social media under the post for this podcast and let us know. And Ashley will tell you how you can do that. Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook at Twinkle Training Teachers and Twinkle ECTs and NQTs. You can also post it in our community groups on Facebook, which are the Twinkle Training Teachers Group and the Twinkle ECT and NQT Support Group. We're on Instagram at Twinkle Training Teachers. We're on TikTok at Twinkle Training Teachers. We are also on Twitter at Training Twinkle. And this podcast will be going out onto your favourite streaming platforms such as Spotify or Apple Music. And don't forget, you can always get in touch with us if you'd like to come on the show. Okay, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.